Welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Hey everybody, I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, and master storyteller, and I am really delighted to have Timothy playing. From the great Northwest, yes, San Francisco, today, he is a filmmaker, he is the owner of Spin Dry Productions, and he's going to teach me all about doom music, the shoegaze, strap up your seatbelts, and let's go for a ride. Today, I'd love to welcome on the show on Dharmic Evolution, Timothy Plain from San Francisco. And uh, Timothy is in the film business. So, um, Tim, welcome to Dharmic Evolution. It's great to have you on board today. Thank you. Um, so why don't we start at the beginning here? Now, did you grow up on the West Coast? Has that been home for you? Yeah, uh, born and raised in Northern California. Okay. Okay, great. I was I had the pleasure to be out there in uh, March this year, and uh, it was my first trip to uh, San Francisco. I'd have been to L.A. many times, but, man, you guys have the weather locked down because I, came, <laughs> I left New Jersey, which was freezing this winter, and got a chance to go to uh, Santa Clara and San Francisco. So, um, you know, I've been thinking about it ever since. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Great I would area. say that Northern California is maybe not as good a weather as Southern California consistently, right? but it's pretty nice. It just depends on what you like more. Yeah, well, getting off the plane at 70 degrees from zero is is a nice spin for me, you know. So, hey, so um, what age did you get interested in film? Let's talk about this. How did it all start for you? In terms of a career or a path that I thought I could take to get to a place where people would pay me to to make films, probably that started around 13. But I remember being in the movie theater at like four or five years old watching E.T. and loving that movie so much. And that just kind of stuck with me. Originally, when I was really, really young, I wanted to be a magician. Okay. So I used to go to the public library and pull out the, the magic books and try a bunch of magic tricks and realized I wasn't really good at them. So... Um, a few aisles over was the visual effects section. And because of my interest in things like E.T. and Star Wars and Indiana Jones, I started like looking through those books and really loving the artwork and pictures. But reading those also, I started realizing like the behind the scenes and how those movies came together. So um, I was always really interested in filmmaking. And I, and I think the magic thing is interesting, too, because in the end, uh, filmmaking is a type of magic. And even though I wasn't good at like hand magic, I, I started thinking about film as a kind of magic. And um, my parents got me a camera at 13 years old and I started making movies with my friends. And at that time, I was very, very, very interested in just the visual effects side of things. So we would pull out puppets and make batches of fake blood and, um, you know, do a bunch of like little silly films that in, I was kind of just trying to figure out how visual effects worked. And um, I would say that that at that age is when I started realizing that there was the work behind film was something that people got paid to do. So I, you didn't you didn't do it with a deck of cards, but you did it with a camera. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was cool. So you knew at that age, this was the thing that really captivated you, you were going to be a filmmaker in some capacity. Yeah. And, and since since I started with that 
first camera, I really did just kind of keep pursuing it. And, and everything that I did in my life after that was just kind of focused on film. Okay, so how long have you been doing this now? Um, seriously, I would say about 10 years. But let's see, since, if I calculate since I was 13, that's like 24 years. Wow. Wow, that's yeah. a, you got a great history, and I've seen you've done a lot of work. You've done a lot of films. Um, who are before we get into you know your roster of that? Who are the people that influenced you? Um, you know, you mentioned the the films, but like, what are your favorite like directors um, uh, and film producers in the industry that kind of kind of like uh, you had the passion, you connected with them um, about you know their work with they influenced mm -hmm. you. It always changes. It's an it's an interesting question because I remember when I was I think I was around seventeen and I went to a summer film program and that was one of the questions they asked. They actually said make a list of your top five films. Right. They said do do this like every six months or a year and you'll see that that list will change and whatever is on that list of top five films will be the kind of film that you're trying to make at that point. So it, it's always been a little different I would say kind of consistently it's like the the people that seem to meld visual effects with storytelling like Steven Spielberg and James Cameron and George Lucas right and those are like the big names out there and uh, I always appreciated that they took the technology of you know or the latest greatest technology and told stories that we couldn't tell 10 20 years earlier and, and those are the ideas that always interest me. Yeah, it's remarkable how, um, uh, who is it, George's company? Is it Industrial Light Magic? Is yeah. That the, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's incredible. It's almost like, you know, he turned this into the, the NASA of, um, of the film world. It's like, <laughs> yeah. wow, man, this is like really heavy. I mean, and, and everybody in, and their mother was trying to get like audience with him, I'm sure, to say, you know, what is this new world that has developed? Like almost overnight, he kind of did that. Yeah. You know? Well, there was an article in Wired magazine just talking about the formation of ILM and how at, at the time that he created it, it was all just to kind of figure things out, how to do things on his own terms. Uh, I don't think they have, had a lot of money to make Star Wars, that con considering what they were trying to achieve. So, yeah, it, you know, they were inventing things and, and creating new techniques in order to pull that movie off. And the reason that movie resonated with people and still to this day is something that people look up to is because it was so far ahead of its time and blew every all the other science fiction movies away at that time. And it's still to this day, the visual effects look amazing and people yeah, can copy I, it. I think everybody that had that experience in the theater felt the same way. They're, you know, everybody was looking at something that was uh, just groundbreaking. It was like, we've never seen this before. This is just unbelievable, you know, and, and I've talked to other filmmakers who said, um, you know, uh, one gentleman, a good friend of mine, Jack Thomas Smith, he said that when he saw that, that spaceship on star Wars, like come overhead, <laughs> that was it. You know, it just changed his world immediately. Hey, uh, tell me about the spirit machine. I checked this out this morning, this video. And, um, this is a, a short you did. It was kind of a, um, it's just a little short clip on Thomas Edison was the driving force behind this. Yeah, correct. It's, yeah, right. It's a it's a short film that I've been working on for 
I think around three years now. Okay. I'm still, still not finished with it yet, but um, kind of the genesis of it was in 2009, I had done a, a short film with a friend of mine that we did for about $2,000 that really inspired us that we did it and pulled it off and got into some film festivals with it and watched it with audiences and audiences really responded to it and we're like, wow, you know, we can actually do this thing. Yeah. But we promised ourselves that the next time we would do something, it would be much bigger. So I spent some time writing a bunch of different ideas down and some different screenplays. Um, and I gave them to my friend Jake and I said, uh, here's some ideas for our next project. And he looked through them. We both picked out one about a father and daughter that were in this world of like antique hunting. You know that uh, show Storage Wars? Yes. Yeah. So it was it was kind of like Storage Wars. It was before right actually right around the time Storage Wars had launched. And um, we built the story around this father and daughter searching for stuff kind of in that storage container world. But he told me, like, make it bigger. Right. Go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. So I kept making it bigger and bigger and bigger until it got to this kind of Hollywood style 80s visual effects. It's kind of like Indiana Jones meets Ghostbusters movie. So um, when you said, you, so how did it start? The fact that you, you kept making it bigger, how were you able to expand on this this film and make it bigger, even though you had started with a, you know a, 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 a smaller um, you know format, if you will, and a smaller then, idea? Yeah, like how did you how did you you know expand it? Um, did, I think did, for me, it, it was really finding this uh, this invention that I because I, I guess what I was looking for was what could they find in a storage container that would be really interesting. And at the, the first draft was them finding gold and okay. it wasn't, wasn't that compelling. So I, I went online as like, Oh, what if um, maybe there's some sort of like lost invention that no one's ever found. And I just did, I think I searched that like lost inventions and I found like a list of inventions that people had talked about, but were never found. And one of them was this machine that Thomas Edison was supposed to have been working on. And it was even written up in the Scientific American early on in the 20th century that he was building a machine to communicate with the dead. And I okay. read that and I said, yes, that's it. Because it reminded me of in Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's the Ark of the Lost Covenant that they're after. Right. And it has like supernatural powers, but it also has like a deep rich history attached to it. Yeah. So I, I like taking that idea and then modernizing it and Thomas Edison, is, of course, is an amazing historical figure. And then this whole idea of a machine that can communicate with ghosts then opened up this whole world to me of like spiritual energy. And it's like that that cracked it for me. And I was able to write a story around that. You know, I'm just wondering if my grandfather had his hands on that machine because he actually worked for Thomas Edison. Oh my gosh. He was an errand boy for Thomas Edison. So. <laughs> well, some so, people will every once in a while, somebody says that they have that machine and, and they put out a press release. I've read a few articles since I've made, I've been making the movie. So where, is there is there really a trail that that's that states that this machine was actually made? Is, is or is this complete fiction? Like what like what's no, the deal on this? <laughs> I so there's a few theories. One theory is that he was actually working on it because at the turn of the century, um, one of the most popular forms of entertainment was those seances. Okay, there's kind of spiritualism was a big deal. Right, and I don't. 
I did a lot of research into it, and it was interesting because there's a lot of people wrapped up in that world, including famously Harry Houdini was always trying to debunk all these people that were saying that they could talk to spirits. Right. So um, I was I a think, fan of his as a young kid. I remember reading uh, yeah. his first book. Oh my God, I was so blown away. It was not his book, but somebody wrote about him. And yeah. He was he was some character. Yeah. So so go ahead. To so finish. yeah. Um, I think Thomas Edison, so some people say that Thomas Edison was kind of making a joke that he could build a machine that could communicate with ghosts because and he said that if he could make it, he would be rich. Right. You know, so one theory is that it was just kind of a fake press release, him joking around because it was such a popular thing at the day that he was trying to like make some sort of like scientific connection between the two. Right. But well, other people say that he was really interested in trying to figure this out because he knew if he could figure it out, he could make money. And I think his theory was that ghosts and spirits were somehow connected to the electrical world. And since he was in the world of electricity, he would be able to figure out some way to like measure these electrical impulses and, and create some sort of device, just like a phonograph or a telephone that would be able to kind of capture that electrical energy and talk to other to ghosts that have already passed on. Yeah, I don't agree with the fact that he was looking as a financial endeavor because any guy who had that amount of tenacity and willpower. I mean, he was just a complete genius. I can't remember the last time I read his roster of the uh, of the inventions that he created, but it's it's just mind-boggling, like how yeah, this I, guy, I mean, he was just like caught up in the world of discovery, you know? I don't think yeah, even, I don't think he was, even, but you know. I, I got into a little bit of trouble with um, the steampunk community on this film because a lot of people don't like Thomas Edison. I don't know if you've heard this, but... No, no, I haven't. Yeah, especially in the steam... Steampunk is kind of like this... Um, it's a fa fantasy world where you mix, like, the turn-of-the-century design and invention with kind of, like, steam engines, and it's it's kind of its own, like, little genre. Right. Um, and so a lot of these people like Nikola Tesla because of the inventions he made were really groundbreaking, whereas they claim that Edison often would just buy patents and then improve on them. Right. So he wasn't really inventing things from the ground up. He was instead like taking things and making them better. So they had a little bit of beef with me for focusing on this invention that was like so otherworldly that they're like, Thomas Edison would have never invented that. That right. probably would have been Tesla. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know of an, enough detail about that whole world, but it's just, you know, it's just shocking. the The mind has, uh, you know, just unlimited, uh, you know, ways of expanding upon things. It's just crazy. You know, the things they were doing back then is just today yeah. still like kind of rocks me. Hey, um, tell me about um all the different type of projects, and and your company is Spin Dry Productions. Is that correct? That's right. It's loosely so, loosely a company. It's more kind of an umbrella production name that I gave to all the projects that I make outside of my regular job. I have a I have a nine to five job, which is producing TV commercials, and then on the side, I'm I'm making movies, pursuing okay. my dream of, of becoming a feature film director. Awesome. How did you come up with the name Spin Dry? Did you spend an inordinate amount of time at the, la <laughs> at the laundromat, or what, what was going on with that? Um, so. The whole genesis of Spin Dry came from me and a group of friends at work that just wanted to make movies. Okay. And 
we all got together like well, let's make the make a bunch of movies when we'll switch positions like during one project i'll be the producer and then on the next project i'll be the writer and then on the next project i'll be the director so the first project that we did together i had a script i was the only one with the script and the script was called spin dry and okay. it was about uh, a man who was doing his laundry at the laundromat and when he came home his wife had disappeared and he through a series of experiments figures out that there's been some collision between uh, two parallel universes and the entryway through that to that other universe is through the the dryer machine at the laundromat <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so it just kind of stuck around from there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a way to lose a, a wife at, at, <laughs> yeah. at, at the laundromat of all yeah. places. Yeah. Be careful of those colliding universes. Yeah, I hear you. So you have a you have a really great history here. I just want to run through some of your, your work. I mean, you have uh, Modern Convenience, uh, Stick, co-written with um, uh, Sal Albatiti. Al, it's Alababidi. Okay. And then you have the... The Chameleon, um, Near Death, Burden of Proof. Um, so you and and the Spirit Machine, of course. And then you have um, uh, what is it? Time Pirates. <laughs> yeah. What is, who you're, is that? So you're reading right now a list of all of the the feature film scripts that I've written. Correct. None of them. None, yeah. of, them have been, none of them have been optioned. None of them have been produced. But this is like I, I've always kind of been looking for a screenplay to make into a feature film and uh, I haven't been able to find a writer that I completely love until recently so up until the, that point I've been writing a lot on my own and partnering up with friends of mine so Time Pirates came out um, while I was making Spirit Machine Jake who helped produce it his uncle knew somebody who had a book that he just felt like was so similar to what we were doing with Spirit Machine. It was historically based. It took place at just right before World War II in the Channel Islands of England. Right. And it's about a boy who finds a time machine that was invented by Leonardo da Vinci. And so he introduced us to the writer and we sat down for lunch and we just talked about all our ideas. And I had read his book and I told him, your book would make a great movie. And he's like, well, I want to make it into a movie. This is like, this is the move, the book that I really want to see be made. If you guys are the guys who do it, then do it. So me and Jake ran off with this book and started writing a screenplay around it. So and worked with him for about a year on it. Okay. So, so you're doing writing and, but what is your, like, do you have a preference? Would you rather be in production instead of writing but it seems like you're going to do whatever is necessary to get your work done which is <laughs> it, great man i hate yeah. that you i mean that's it. pretty much it you have to do whatever you can just to succeed and you can't shoot a movie without a screenplay and i, right. I feel that a screenplay is needs to be really really good before you get into produ production on it in order for there to be a good story if you just kind of like go into it and and just have a, a rough idea, you're not really going to get anything out of it. So, um, right. so the story I, is everything. Story is everything. And part of the reason I've also done a lot of writing is because there was a period for about two years right after college where I wanted nothing to do with the film industry at all. I, the, Why? My film school experience kind of burned me. In, um, in what way? It's very competitive. Right. There's a lot of people in it and they're all, everyone's trying to make movies, right? 
Okay. Let's say there's 30 people in a class and everybody at that point wants to be a director. So not everyone's going to get the same opportunities within the class. Usually what happens is a few of the best people kind of group up together in the corner right. and they help each other on their own projects and then everyone else is left to their own devices. So during film school, I ended up not having a lot of friends and not having a lot of people helping me collaborate on films. And so I ended up doing everything myself. So I would write, I would produce, I would direct, I would sometimes star in my own film, and then I would edit it. So having every, all the burden on me and not having people to collaborate with kind of made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Right. And then also it frustrated me that I couldn't convince other people to help me out. And so I just felt like it wasn't really the thing for me, that I needed to do something that I could do on my own with my own resources. And so I said, well writing I can do in a room just by myself, no money. And so I decided to pursue writing. And um, for two years outside of college, I just pursued novels and short stories. So, so you, so this was really good training ground though, because, you know, I mean, all of a sudden you're, you're handling all facets of, of making a film from the writing, you know, which is the foundation obviously, and all the way up to all of the, um, the back end things that are happening. So that yeah, must have been really great for you. And, you know, it didn't seem that way at the time because you weren't supported. However, you were forced to really learn the industry. Well, that's what's interesting when I look back on things. Like hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? And I always figured that I would have a certain path in how I would be making my movies. And It never really happened that way. But then when I get to places where I look back and I can see what brought me to that point and what I've learned and and how I've grown, then I really do appreciate that because I wouldn't be the filmmaker today if I didn't have those hardships in film school and I had to and I didn't have to rely on myself for everything. Right. Because and because I have a foundation of all that, then I feel like I can also talk to other people or my my brain works a little bit different in how I attack problems or give creative direction. So I mean, this this is kind of the story of my entire life, actually. I, I kind of end up in places that I didn't plan to end up in. But then those experiences help shape me as an artist in unexpected ways. And it's been sure. really cool to see that happen. Yeah, you're forced out of your comfort zone and, and you don't know what it's doing for you at the time. But it's yeah. it's enhancing your, your creativity and your life, really. Hey, yeah. um, tell me about music videos. I know you've been involved in some uh, music videos. Can you can you yeah. share some of that some of that, you know, that story with us? I've done a, a few music videos. Um, it's a tough one because not a lot of bands have money. So you're always trying to figure out how you can do something for very, very cheap or usually just being smart about how you put things together. Right. The last one I did was for a local band called Acid King, which is like, it was a a doom metal band. Yeah. Now this term, I had not even, and I'm I'm a music (laughs) guy and I said, doom. And I said, you know, it's very suggestive and it scared me when I heard the name. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about the doom. What's going on with the doom music? I don't know too much about it because it's not the world that I live in. Do you have to wear a helmet when you listen? Like, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> like, I think it's it's kind of born of the heavy metal genre. But just imagine 
heavy metal, and I think it's more kind of like Black Sabbath world, but super slowed down. Okay. Another way it's described is um, is stoner metal because it's oh, just wow. very slow music. Uh-huh. So I I just went to their show a few weeks ago and and saw it live for the first time, and there was a little bit of head banging. So you needed a dental appointment pit. right after. <laughs> like, was it like mosh pit style, or was it there more? Is, there's like, one mosh pit that formed, but it's weird because the music is so slow. It doesn't have the same like angry energy. Oh, so it's slow motion mosh. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, everything, cool. You everything's filmed in slow that. motion. That's, it's interesting. I got to check this out because this I, I had never heard that. And I was checking out your, your post earlier and I said, wow, doom, <laughs> doom music. This is really something. So, I mean, is this like catching somewhere like, like big time that, that I just don't know about? Is it happening on the West Coast or where is this happening? I think that for these guys, they've been around for a while. They they kind of start help start this whole doom movement. They okay. The articles I read about them say that they were considered doom before doom existed. Oh, okay. uh, they're kind of they're kind of on the forefront. Yeah, but they've been around for a while. Uh-huh. They have a, a pretty big following in Europe. So every year they go to Europe, and they only play in San Francisco like once a year. But they do have a lot of followers. I think in San Francisco, it's a lot, or in the United States, it's a lot less than it is in Europe. Right. Tell me about the music scene in San Francisco and, you know, how it relates to you as a filmmaker and how does it influence you or does it at all? Huh. That's an interesting question. Like, like, are, is there a specific um, genre of music that you like that, that kind of, kind of infiltrates you as far as hey, you know what, I got an idea about this for film. Does that ever occur to you or no? Music is a huge part of why I make movies because I feel like my movies are always born from an emotional place. Right. And, okay. and music for me represents like pure emotion. Like when I, whenever I score a movie, I feel like the music brings the emotion to it. So right. music is hugely important to me. And, and also part of the reason for that is I was in a band for four years during college so great what were you playing what was your instrument uh, i played guitar oh okay awesome yeah so that was a lot of fun and that it was it was definitely like a pure expression of my emotion right so so when you're uh tell me when like when you have a film in mind when does the idea of music hit you for the film is it very early or is it after it's all done Usually during the writing stage, I'll okay. start pulling references, and uh, it helps me to listen to things that get me into the emotional mindset while I'm writing. And then during the pre-production phases, I'm putting the movie together. That music tends to change a little bit, and then that carries me through to the edit, where then I start pulling new pieces of music because the the movie changes while you shoot it, and so. Um, I have to always kind of like readdress my music choices throughout the process. Right. And see what really fits. Yeah. To see what yeah. really fits. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not a film guy by any stretch. I do a lot of videos. Um, but um, I kind of think when I'm writing, I get visual inspiration, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I kind of do the opposite that you do, I think, you know, <laughs> as a yeah. songwriter, you know, that's how it happens for me. So, so the, the music scene, like what is, tell me about like your favorite type of music for kicking back and chilling, just 
you know, chilling out, you're not working uh, just for your own head. What do you like to listen to? Oh, man, there's so many types of music that I like. It depends on my mood, but I would say kind of my go-to is something that's usually in the shoegaze genre. Do you oh, know what shoegaze, no, shoegaze no. is? It comes from the idea that when you're listening to it, you're looking down at your shoes. Okay. So it's like uh, 80s versions of that would be Jesus and Mary Chain or My Bloody Valentine. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything that kind of like I would say is pretty mellow, indie, electronic kind of sounding stuff is is usually where my head's at. But I like everything. I, I listen to a lot of movie soundtracks because I feel like that really amps me up and inspires me like on the movie side of things. Right. And if I'm feeling a little happy, like sometimes I'll put on hip hop because that just makes me feel like a different type of energy than a shoegaze song. Right. I've never heard that shoegaze. That's very yeah, cool. Shoegaze. shoegaze. I got to try that. I, will it work <laughs> with sneakers? Because I'm doing sneakers today. I got <laughs> yeah. I got I mean, to get my workout that? in later. So so that's very cool. The you know I understand. Um, and I didn't have a whole lot of time to investigate the music scene when I was out in San Francisco because I was in a heavy um, conference type of situation. But I hear the uh, the music scene is very, very cool out there right now, the indie scene. It's cool. Is, it's not. It's nothing like Nashville. Nashville is amazing. Yeah. I love in there. But um, it's a it's a very small music town, I would say, here. Right. And I would say it's still kind of influenced by the 60s. There's a lot of like singer songwriters and a lot of people just like playing guitar. Um, and then, of course, you have like the doom metal Acid King, which is, right. is a totally different style. But I feel like it's like these little pockets and there's not really one wide scene that I know of. But right. yeah, there's definitely little pockets and audiences. And it's a great town, I think, for bands to come and tour in because there's a lot of fans here. But in terms of bands that originate from San Francisco, I don't know a ton of them but i know it's 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 a tough music scene for artists i believe yeah hey um back to the film like what's happening for you this year besides is spirit machine all um is that taking up all of your creative time or, or do you have something else that you're working on as well that you'd like to share with us uh i just finished another short film i shot something else called over my dead body in december and okay he, we just finished that one. It's a it's about a six minute short film that we're submitting to film festivals. So hopefully we'll get into something by the end of the year and release that. Spear Machine doesn't take a whole lot of time because it's mostly in the hands of other people with work that I can't do myself. Right. So I just wait for that work to come in and then I look at it and make comments. Okay. Um, and then what I'm really focused on right now is directing a feature film. So. I am pursuing that in a few different ways. And the biggest way right now is I hired a writer. His name is Mark Simberg. He's a local dude. And we came up with an idea together um, based off of a short film that he wrote. And he's writing a feature film around it. It's, a, it's about a, a haunted toy house. And we have a producer attached. And once the script is done, we're hoping that we can find some funding and, and go make that. Great, man. Good luck on it. Hey, tell me, yeah. take me down that path that you, getting into film festivals, what is the process? Because um, I know that's huge. If you can get, if you can land your work into, um, you know, Kane and some of the other biggies, like, like, how do you, how do you go about that? It's, um, it's pretty easy to submit to film festivals. It gets really expensive because each time you submit, it's about 40 or $50. 
Okay. So you have to really pick and choose, and there's a ton of festivals out there. And I didn't realize this when I first submitted my films to film festivals is that every film festival kind of has a specialty and and what where you are at in your career should determine which festival you submit your film to. Right. Um, but right and nowadays there's websites that you can just put your film on, you can type in all the credits and then you can just kind of check out uh, different film festivals just like you would on Amazon. You just put them in your your cart and then you pay for it and then boom it goes off and you just wait to hear back from them um there's nothing you can really do once it's out in the world to control which festivals accept you or not so it's all based off of your work right and in some ways it's also not based off of your work because there's a lot of good films that don't make it into festivals and they have a limited number of spaces that they can program a film into and sometimes your film just might not fit into their program so, for instance, if they have uh, an hour and a half program filled with zombie films and your film is a vampire film, they might, even if your film is really, really awesome, and they just don't have a place for it in their zombie program. Right. So, so you get you know, passed over just based on it wasn't the right content for what they were looking yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. It's very, you know, the film business is so similar to the music business. It's almost scary. Hey, um, Timothy, reading, like, can you pass on any great books that um, you would say for a film person out there, a startup, somebody who's passionate about this, who wants to get their, their foot into that world? Anything, um, anything that you could think of that you would yeah. recommend? There's so many good film books out there. My favorites, the ones that I keep going back to, are the ones that set a really good foundation for me. One is, uh, it's called Directing Actors. Okay. I have it in front of me right now. It's uh, by Judith Weston. And that's a really good book just about working with actors, breaking down a script, kind of figuring out what the story is that you're trying to tell. And then I would say that um, for everything else, where to put the camera, how to make all the other decisions that you needed to make as a director. David Mamet has a book called On Directing Film, and it's really small, but I feel like it has such good advice in it. Sometimes like, those small books are the best. I, oh, I find that so over and over. You buy a great big thing, and it's like you pay a lot of money for it. And then <laughs> and then you find this 60-page thing that you, you keep reading all the time because it's so good. Yeah. Those, those are a couple of great things. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, listen, as we're wrapping up here, um, just to reach out to the audience and let them know if they're looking for um, help from you, uh, if they have a project, if they have... Like, what would you be looking for um, if you could just give me your roster, like to say, this is what I do, this is what I'm looking for as far as opportunities for you and how you can serve uh, people with ideas. Are you looking for scripts? Are you looking for, you know, ideas, uh, actors, collaborations, money, of course. So <laughs> give me your laundry <laughs> list of how we can help you out in your quest to get your product out onto the I scene. Mean. All of the above are great. Okay. Um, I okay. feel like, yeah, any if anybody wants to talk to me and anybody ha just even if people just want advice, I'm always happy to give advice and, and help other filmmakers out. Um, I've definitely had people write me through my website and they have a script and they ask if I'm interested in producing or directing it and we've had conversations. So I'm up for anything. I really am. I, I, 
I'm okay, so collaboration just, is great. Yeah. You know, like you, mm-hmm. you could work with a, a writer, an actor, whoever it is who has an idea, they can come to you and say, hey, let me, let me just bounce this off you. Could we work together on this? Yeah, absolutely. Great. And I, I would say that really what I'm looking for before I get involved in something is story. Story to me is king. And if okay. you have a good story, then that's going to be something I'm interested in. As long as it has some emotional resonance too, then it's like, boom, I'm there. Okay, great. Hey, Timothy, best place to reach Timothy Plain for people to, to reach out to you? Um, probably through my website. It's spindryproductions.com. Or okay. you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Timothy Plain. At Timothy Plain, which is P-L-A-I-N. That's correct. Awesome. Man, hey, listen, thank you so much for joining me on the Dharmic Evolution today. I had a great time, you know, chatting with you about all this. Uh, The world of film has become clearer. I've learned about doom music, which I didn't know. (laughs) I learned about the shoegaze, which I'm going to practice this afternoon. And uh, listen, I had a great time, and I look forward to more success from Timothy Plain. Hey, thank you so much. Okay, man. Have a great day. So did you guys get the same vibe that I got out of that interview? I mean, uh, what a cool dude. I mean, this this young man is focused. Um, you know, he's definitely serious about his art, and he's really got it together and had such a great time learning all about film this afternoon with Timothy Plain, and I hope you guys had a great time like I did. I'm James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, and master storyteller, and uh, I'll catch you next time on the Dharmic Evolution. So I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. You only need a little bit of bravery. I think it's time you walked away from your self-inflicted slavery. Are you ready for the big transition? Are you excited for this passionate mission? Can you embrace the space that you walk in this world? Count your blessings one by one on your precious string of pearls.